Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. I suddenly realized I had both hands full and I was filling up my motherwort tincture bottle, and that the phone, which was 
very happily talking next to me had to be picked up so that I could be heard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, motherwort tincture made by the Dreaming Owl Clan, June 18th, 2021. Thank you, Dreaming Owl Clan. I feel so gifted and so loved that I am surrounded by remedies made by all of these women that I've had the privilege of teaching. It's such a gift. It's just, you know, it's like twice the healing that that I get the medicine and I get the love and I get the memories, you know, and I pick up this bottle and then it's like this apprentice, you know, she, I, mean, I remember her talking about what was going on when she made that tincture and why she did it. It's just so, it's so rich and so complex. Mm. And it's certainly one of the things that I am talking more and more about, how, how much we need to be nourished by complexity. Wow, I've I always I've always talked about it in a small way, in terms of like vitamins, right? That vitamins are uh, many components, and that when we take a vitamin pill, we just get one of the components. Like if you take vitamin D, you don't take vitamin D; you take vitamin D three. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like they decided to call it vitamin D three. There really is a D one and a D two. And probably a four and a five, I don't really know, but I know there is a one and a two, because vitamins are always groups. We know this about the B vitamins, right? Vitamin B1 mm-hmm. and B2, and all the way up to laetrile, vitamin B17. Yeah. And there's something about complexity that nourishes our healthy complexity. Hmm. That dynamic disequilibrium that is not the heroic balance. So, hooray for complexity. What do they say? That every snowflake is different? Yeah, no two are the same. There's so many of them. Right? <laughs> Nature loves complexity. (laughs) (laughs) And yet you know it's a snowflake. They all follow the same pattern, and yet no two are alike. Oh, my gosh, how could that be? (laughs) Yeah. So wondrous. This wonderful world we live in. Uh, We're, like, really checking that everything is really battened down and heat taped and that everything is good because we're looking at going into a string of... Zero and below zero nights. Oh, brr. Yes, I just saw our weather right before I dialed in tonight, and we're heading for that, too. It's shifting tonight. Winds are coming, and temps are dropping. Yep. Yep. I'm going to drop down. (sighs) We had a really interesting guest tonight. She is that classic, the wounded healer. Amy Fournier had physical, mental, emotional 
health challenges, not to even mention that she was very indoctrinated to be a people-pleasing woman, which resulted in so much conflict and ultimately a complete burnout that Mm. she had only one choice. Open her heart or die. And she opened her heart. She's going to talk to us about the most important relationship of all, connecting to your own soul. Amy Fournier, tonight at 9 o'clock East Coast time. Stay with us or come on back so you can hear what Amy has to say. It's quite the story. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah and and I have been working, 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 working on the Comfrey Conference and all mm-hmm. kinds of exciting and wonderful and amazing things are happening. So let's see. The artist, Durga Bernhardt, who did the illustrations for my green book, Healing Wise, and who did the illustrations for Abundantly Well, the new book, made a comfrey goddess for us. And it is in the final stages of uh, being finished before we will have the great reveal of our comfrey goddess for the comfrey conference. That she is just gorgeous. And mm-hmm. in the back and forth that Durga and I have had about this, she shared with me her comfrey story. And how at every stage in her life, she has come up to a challenge in which Comfrey was right there to help her get through that challenge. And then she was so thrilled that I asked her to make this image for the Comfrey Conference. Because for her, as for many of us, Comfrey is... The comforting. She is the first herb many of us learned, and she is, in my mind, a true panacea. Pana all, to heal all. Ability to heal everything. So that's exciting. And some years ago, I heard David Hoffman talk about why this whole thing about pyrolyzidine alkaloids is just not even to be confidenced. And you got in touch with him and asked him if he would talk about that for the Comfrey Conference, and what did he say? He said it was a a pleasure. He's very looking forward to it. It's a subject near and dear to his heart. Yes. Yeah. We got people talking about growing comfrey and what it does for the soil and people talking about using comfrey and using it homeopathically, using it as poultices, using it internally, using it while you're pregnant, using it with deep wounds, using it all over your body. And I'm getting ready my script for my comfrey presentation and uh, trying to narrow it down. So many experiences with Comfrey, and I am truly excited by every single person 
who is saying yes that they're going to present at the Comfrey Conference. And there's a Facebook page. And you can go to the Facebook page and share Comfrey stories. And I was whining a little bit about that. I said, well, you know, it's not like I I don't want there to be a Facebook page. I said, but I wanted it to be like a YouTube thing because I wanted people to share videos. So I was told that "Mm, what I should do is I should just say, I want you to share your videos at Facebook, at the Facebook page. And it's just because I think it's more immediate and more interesting if you just, you know, either do like a a three-minute selfie of you talking about your comfort experience or just have somebody else. The new phones take such good videos, and it's really easy to upload them. They said to Facebook, and that's, that's why they want to keep it there. So come and join the fun at Facebook, and I think that's going to be in um, this um, week's e-zine, the link to that. And Stephen Martin, who I do not know very well, um, has this to say about his presentation. I have 30 years of comfrey tales to share. Many stories about using comfrey as food, about her magic, about her bony knitting abilities, stories about introducing her to the land, how she grows and heals and enriches the environment. I know how and who has carried her down the ages and how she came to be here on Turtle Island. And I have stories about selling comfrey when she was illegal. Wow. Wow. And that really got, like, my eyebrows up in my hairline, like, Comfrey was illegal? <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I guess it must have happened while I was here, but I don't remember it. I was trying even to remember who was it that, that said, this is a great herb to use, use Comfrey. I mean, when I was first interested in herbs, there was really so little information. And the vast majority of the information was about culinary herbs, which is nice, which is wonderful. But I was really interested in herbal medicine. And then, of course, Yul Gibbons became popular. And he started out with... uh, you know, the wild asparagus book and the blue-eyed scallop, but he also did a Stalking the Healing Herbs book. And it was one of my early guides. i got to look up my copy and look and see if he has comfrey in there. I know that I was also um, reading Alma Hutchins at the time, and I need to go and look. Somehow I don't think that she would have comfrey in Native American Indian herbology. Mm. So, do you remember what your first adventure with was? Who turned you on to it? Well, I'm pretty sure it was you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll take the blame. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. There was really, uh, there was one other herbalist that I, you know, read books from and things, and he's not to, he doesn't have a whole lot of personal stuff with Comfrey. And then I went to the Florida Herbal Conference, and you were there. 
and you pass your own tinctures, so that wasn't comfrey, but um, the nourishing herbal infusions is I met those there, and I came home and made my first comfrey infusion. So, wow. um, yeah, and that was how long ago now? That was 2014. All right. Well, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Now you're in your ninth year of drinking nourishing herbal infusion. So amazing. Yeah, yeah. Go plants, go infuse. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And people are getting a little fractious with me that I'm not setting a date, that I'm just saying April of 2022 for the Comfrey Conference. But it's going to be a virtual conference. Everyone is sending in videos. It's all online. And, you know, we're used to just, like, jumping when it's online. I figure sometime after tax day, so more later April. And we'll just, you know, like, say, hey, here it is. The Comfrey Conference is about to start. We'll probably give you a little more notice than that, but not a whole lot. Because that's not how the internet works, right? Mm-hmm. You don't like get a notice that says, "Hey, we're going to do something two months from now on the internet." No, it's like it's happening right now. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very excited uh, <clears throat> to see all of these uh, different presenters. I still I want you know more. Definitely do not have uh, every topic that I want covered yet. So we're still looking for presenters. If that's you, get in touch with uh, Sarah Ellen. And uh, you have a email address, yes? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And so they can reach me at um, Herbs Healing. Helper at gmail.com. Herbs Healing Helper at gmail.com. All right? Yeah. Yes. There's a presenter application. There's uh, all kinds of good things that you can get from Sarah if you want to present or if you're eager to have that link to the Facebook, Sarah can give that to you too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for all of your focused and dedicated work, Sarah Ellen. It's a real joy and treasure to have your help. Oh, thanks. Well, it's a treasure to get to help Comfrey get a time to shine this April and really get to be the focus and have this be as special as it can possibly be because so many people have so much to say. I'm learning so much just getting invitations out to people and so amazing to hear the key bits of the story. So I'm so curious to see what their videos will be like and it's going to be robust. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, do we have any people with questions tonight? Uh, we have one person who has uh, pressed one and queued up with a question, and we have lots of people on the line, so I'll let you all know. If you would like to speak with Susan live this evening, please press the number one on your telephone keypad, and you'll get yourself lined up in the queue. Our first caller tonight, and now we have two callers uh, lined up. 
Our first is coming from area code 818. From the 818 area code, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. I've missed you. I really have missed you a lot. I'm getting back in the loop again. All right. Yeah, there's just been a lot of different loops lately, so now I'm getting back in the loop. Um, I'm I'm so excited to hear your show right now. So I have a question, and I know you do not like secondhand questions, but I have a good friend. He's 68, full-blown dementia, alcoholic, and I'm doing everything I can to save his life, in and out of rehab, however I'm trying to do it. But what what I cannot figure out what to do is he's got swelling legs. The one on the left is way worse than the right, so I think that's kidney. Um, and, and they're like purple, red, black, and just giant. This, you know, the ankle, I, I don't even know what it's called. It, it might be edema, but it's really bad. Like, it's starting to rupture. And we've ruled him out because I've had him in and out of the hospital, ruled him out of blood clots, and they've done everything. And then they just filled him full of antibiotics. And he, he got better for like, I don't know, about almost a week. And now the swellings come back. And I, to be honest with you, he's kind of spiraling downhill, but I want to make him comfortable. Yes, that does not sound good at all, what's happening with his legs. Not that at all. Uh, it sounds like the whole vasculature is just collapsing there, right? Yes. That's I'm, exactly I'm reassured that you've had that, you know, checked out. But... You know, as that collapses and there's not sufficient blood flow, then the tissue starts to die. That, that's what's that's, going on. That's what that, the that's dogs what that, are purple, that, that purple is, right? Is tissue starting to die. And that then that turns into gangrene, and then you have to have amputations. So I always remember Dr. Christopher's story about a man who came to him after he had given an evening talk and said, Dr. Christopher, they're going to amputate both of my legs tomorrow because they were in the condition that you're just talking about. And Dr. Christopher said, you get in a bathtub with hot water and you get people to throw comfrey and marshmallow in that hot bath water with you and you just keep doing it. You stay in there, water gets cold, you drain it out, put more hot water in there, more comfrey, more marshmallow. Ten years later, this man walks up to Dr. Christopher and says, I was that man that you told to do that. Look. Wow. This, this, I just now remember they did um, tell me he had a staph infection already. And, and sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's not good if there's a staph infection to start in water like that. So check. Uh, well, I think I think the antibiotics wiped out in the hospital. They kept him in there for five days on an IV okay. drip, and and so I think that wiped out the staph infection. But okay, good. It's just now back. It's just start. It's just now starting to kind of come back and get a little bit purple and red and. And the dog <laughs> licking, licking the legs, which that tells me they know something's really wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I know this is there's probably not going to be a good ending so, to this, but so, you know, we're talking about Comfrey tonight, and I think that Comfrey, what you want to do is ease him and soothe him and support him. And yeah. I you know, went out on a limb and said Comfrey's a real panacea, which means I do. I heard that. I love that. And so I, you know, I let's see what happens. If he's willing to start working with it, and I understand that he might not be, and that's, of course, always the problem with second-hand consultations, is that the person might say, well, I'm so glad that you think I should do this, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know what? You you might be right. He, I might get him to do it once, because I got him on the nourishing herbal infusions about six years ago at least. Yeah, before that, maybe eight years ago. And I set him all up with the scales and everything in the bags and everything, and he did it for like twice, and that was it. So you're right. I wouldn't do a secondhand consultation, but there's no way I can get him on the phone. It's not, it's, it's just... It, it, I, well, it, that's, that's what, and that's the reason that I don't. Because if he's not yeah. interested enough to be on the phone with me, he's probably not interested enough to do whatever I might suggest. But I think that because we're talking about comfrey and because of this Dr. Christopher story that I thought, let's, you know, let's just let this be part of the evening here. And perhaps if you tell him that story, he will be so wowed that he will say, yeah, you know, maybe I don't have to sit there, you know, for the story never said how long the man sat in that bathtub, but I'm going to guess that it was like a week or more. We're not just talking about an oh. hour or two. Uh, well, you know what? As long as I set up some YouTube in the bathtub, I, I can get him in the bathtub, I'm pretty sure. This would be all up to me. He's not going to do this on himself. But if That's I, okay. we have, and you have, I have to do shower you know, police. Must, like, is, it to, is it worth it to you to care more for another person than they care for themselves? That's a good question. And sometimes it is. Sometimes you feel so good about yourself by taking care of somebody else that it doesn't really matter if it's really good for them or not because it's just about you're feeling good about yourself, and that's okay. Yeah, I'm glad I called you. But I'm a really great believer in self generation of healing. That doesn't mean we're not asking for help, but it means we're getting it because we actively seek it and we actively desire it. You're right. And and if he doesn't actively seek it or actively desire it, then... That's a really good point. Is it? Then why why would we want to get in his way? You're right. You're, that's that. Now you you made me feel much better. So this call is really great. 
I will suggest it and see if I can at least give it a try. And then if he doesn't want to do it, then I'll bring the comfrey and the marshmallow home. There you go. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I already been bring the stinging nettle home. Because he's yeah, not making <clears throat> Yeah, what? I've already, I've already eat, I've already done all my nursing herbal fusions with all the herbs he bought. That he did maybe two jars, and that was the end of that. Right, right. Especially if you think you know there's problems with his kidneys, and you gave him nettle, and he's not making nettle infusion. Again, I understand. I, I understand if there's extenuating circumstances if someone's physically unable to do that, but, you know, I was very intimate with a woman named Connie who had a neurological disorder that basically took away all of her mobility, but bit by bit by bit, and she lost quite a bit of it over the time that I knew her to the point where she had to be actually on a respirator because her body wouldn't breathe on its own, but she in no way laid back. And she never once used her inability as a reason not to do. As a matter of fact, a lot of the rights that we kind of take for granted now for people of differing abilities um, came back a lot through Connie's work. Wow. So I've I have see, yeah I've seen a lot of people really apply themselves to getting the most they can from life. Whether it's um, to say, okay, you know what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do nothing and I'm just going to watch my legs rot off and see what that will be like. That's a choice. That's an okay choice. You're right. That's a choice. Hmm. Not what I would choose, but that is a choice. That is a choice. Yeah. All right. Hey, and in a month or so, call us back and tell us what happened, okay? I, 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 I it's probably not going to be good, but I will. Just because it's interesting. My very first Zen teacher gave me my lifetime koan, which is a riddle. And it's this riddle, this koan, is not a question. It's a statement, but nonetheless, it's a riddle. The difference between good and bad is the sickness of the human mind. Okay, I'm writing this down. Because now I'm going to think about it all night. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've, I've been bad. thinking about it all my life, so one night, Wait, sure, the difference, <laughs> the difference between good and bad is the The difference the between sick- good and bad is the sickness of the human sick. mind. We are sick, most of us. Yes. You know, I have never once seen the goats say that something is good or bad. No, goats don't say that. They will no, kick it's things, the, the human mind that has this particular sickness as to whether something is good or bad. Whatever happens, 
that's like the power of the subconscious. If right when you're in a um a theta state or like right before you go to sleep or right when you wake up, it, you actually are in you can it but it has to be worded correctly and very positively. You can't have any negatives. You can actually program your subconscious. It there there's debates whether it takes twenty one days or sixty three days. But I've been studying the Brian Scott program your subconscious and that stuff worked because my mother gave me that book when I was 12 and it it worked and I forgot all about right. it for 30 years. yeah I forgot about it for 30 years and it's all over it's on YouTube and you can just listen it's a seven hour listen but it's just absolutely brilliant so I'm gonna, I'm starting that again and it and it really works it's really it's weird it is so strange if I ask my subconscious, like literally within either hours or the next day, there's the item I'm looking for or there's the thing that I needed or here's the thing that needed to happen in, in small increments now because I'm still having to go relearn. But that's something super, super interesting. So now, that's what this means. The sickness of the human mind is that we are, are, it means the power of your subconscious if you don't know how to deal with it. That that creates sickness if you keep telling yourself you're sick. Your subconscious will make you sick because it has to answer it. It has no logic. It could be. I think that what it means is that distinguishing between what you think is good and what you think is bad is what makes you sick. Okay, I'm going I'm to... Riddle on that one all night tonight. There is, because there is no good and there is no bad. And I you know, said that right. because you said, I said, you know, call in a month or so and let us know what happens. And you said, well, it won't be good. And I said, oh, good, bad, what? It will be. It will just be. I'm not looking, it, for, I'm it, not, I'm not looking for a particular thing to happen. I'm curious. What will happen? And you know what? You're right. It's up to me to interpret whether it's good or bad or it just is. Just is. Just is. Just is. And it's okay. Yes. And insofar as it's okay with you for this person to make any choice, then you can truly give a free will gift insofar as you need this person to be healed or to benefit from what you're doing, then there's string attached. There's a wonderful book by Stephen Levine. It's not who dies, that he wrote, and he talked about you know, he was working with this group of people who were working in hospice and with, the, you know, people who were dying, and they had somebody who was faking it, who wasn't actually dying. <laughs> and they had to do a lot of community work about the anger that came up in pe- people, about how dare this person you know, take up their time when they weren't really dying. And that was one of the things Stephen said. He said, oh, he said, are you only doing this, you know, with these limits, you're not willing to take care of someone who isn't going to die? Yeah, that person probably needs a lot of attention. 
I mean, what, you know, should it, should it actually matter to, to us Wait, that I, this person has I gone out of their way to super funny. dying? I mean, that's, Wait, I, that's a whole thing just right there. I know. Right? I have to tell you something funny. So I mean, I we look at ourselves Bill. and what we're giving, and, and what's our expectation? No, you're right. I When I put my friend Bill in the ambulance, this was last week, the neighbor came running out. He's like maybe 88 years old. And you're going to laugh at this. And as we're closing the, ambu- closing the ambulance doors, the neighbor opens up the right door and looks in and goes, you're going to hell. Now, who would do that? There's somebody laying on a gurney in the ambulance. Oh, my goodness. What, what is this neighbor on about? Uh, do they have a feud? <laughs> No, he's just an extremely religious guy who always runs around deciding who's going to hell and who's not. But if somebody is laying that sick on an ambulance gurney and you open up the door and go, you're going to hell. And I was standing right there. And I wasn't sure if I heard you're doing well, but then the ambulance assistant just went, what did you say? Now, I can laugh with my friend about that because he's... We just laugh because what idiot would do something like that when somebody's on a gurney and tell them they're going to hell? Well, that's the that's the time to to get them to you know take a good look at what's happening. They're about to die. They better get saved before they die. Uh, maybe, but then he's also the same guy that went to a funeral of another neighbor and grabbed everybody and said, you know, he's not going to heaven. <laughs> He's going to hell. It's like, wait, this guy's laying out in the casket viewing, and he's telling everybody that guy's going to hell. It's just, it's hell. just well, my it's... friend was in the ambulance. It, it, you, you have to laugh at it because who does he's a, that? He's some, he's some kind of, uh, he's some kind of uh, grim reaper Santa Claus. He's got a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Huh? I think you're right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I will tell my friend that because we get, we get a good laugh. At it. It's just so bad. It's just hilarious. And there I use the word bad. It just was. It just is. It just was. All right. I'm going to say green, green blessings because I know there's a few other people waiting. I really enjoyed talking okay. to you. Hope you call back in a month or so. Okay. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Good night. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, and uh, we have one caller with their hand raised, and if anyone else would like to ask a question this evening, please remember to press 1 on your telephone keypad. Our next caller is dialing in from the 202 area code. From the 202, you are live with Susan. Yes. Um, Good evening, Susan. Uh, This is Dina calling. Hi there. Um, I I would like some um, little little bit of... uh, uh, counsel from you in that um, I have just um, completed um, radiation uh, for breast cancer and uh, this is uh, over the last three years I have had um, four uh, four assorted episodes four assorted episodes of different cancers um, and um, I am I'm doing pretty well and um, attitude's pretty good. And my concern is um, I'm not really very knowledgeable um, about herbs. Um, and I, uh, what I do find now after the radiation 
and um, and unfortunately, uh, the radiation caused one of my breasts to be burned, quite severe burns, to be treated as a burn victim. Anyway, um, the the reason that I'm calling is is to to say if you to ask you if you have any suggestions um, that. Uh, of, of anything that I'm that could assist me in boosting the immune system um, to um, just to to gain more energy. I find that I get so tired in the afternoons. So if if I'm for instance I'm not in a position at this time um, or during this period um, to to be able to put together infusions to be able to go out and find different stores and different places uh, where I can get some of the um, ingredients that I would need um, I just am not able to do that. I don't do anything that has ingredients. Oh okay okay. All right. Um, so, um, uh, so, so that that is where you, that is where I am. Buy, I just I just bought I just bought oh three hundred dollars worth of herbs from Mountain Rose online, and they were delivered to my door. And I placed a six hundred dollar herb order with Frontier over the telephone, and they were delivered to my door. So I didn't uh-huh. have to go anywhere. Uh huh. And when you received and when you receive these, um, was the preparation um, lengthy? Or, they were not prepared. Um, They're not prepared herbs. They are herbs. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know that I have the energy. Oh, they're, so they're not prepared herbs. What? You they're don't herbs. have the energy to boil a quart of water? Yeah, I can, I can boil water. Mm-hmm. That That's what it do. takes. You will need to do these things. Okay. Open the bag of herb. <laughs> Put a quart jar on a scale, press T-A-R-E. Put one ounce of herb in the jar, boil a quart of water, take the jar off the scale, fill it to the top of the boiling water, and put the lid on it. Uh-huh. Well, I think That's I it. could do that. Right? I think you can do that. I, I do. think I can do that. <laughs> I really think you can do that. And the yeah, next morning... I think I can manage that. Right, the next morning or four hours later, whichever you prefer, I usually make mine at night, and then it's just ready the next day. Um, And I usually strain the liquid out and put it in the refrigerator. And then the plant Mm -hmm. material I put in the compost or put in potted plants or toss out the door. This Uh is great for lawns. And in cities, I put it in a baggie and then put it around a tree when I'm walking. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So I always make sure that the plant material goes back to the earth. So yeah. the herbs, mm-hmm. and this is a, a lot of what I got from Frontier. The herbs that I use in this way are a rotation of five different herbs. Stinging nettle, mm-hmm. which gives you so much energy that when you touch it, you feel like you've touched an electrical wire. Really? Okay. That's why it's called stinging nettle, and it rebuilds yeah. your adrenals. It rebuilds your energy from the inside out. Wonderful. Okay, I've written that down. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, How about number? I did number two. I did. I did six weeks of radiation. Mm-hmm. I was in surgery for seventeen hours, and then an induced coma for thirteen hours. 
and I have tremendous energy right now. Yeah, I hear it in your voice. Good. I'm, and I'm, this was all within the past couple of years. This was all within the past couple of years. So uh-huh. these herbs are really stupendous. Comfrey, comfrey leaf, the herb that we are talking about tonight, that panacea, the herb that heals everything. It heals burns. It's one of the big things that comfrey does is it heals burns. And it heals burns internally as well as externally. Mm-hmm. Because there are radiation burns you can see and there are radiation burns you can't see. So drinking comfrey infusion will heal those inner radiation burns. Okay. Linden. Linden flowers. Most people have heard of the Indian spice turmeric. And they heard that Mm -hmm. turmeric is a good anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Linden is, I would say, 10 to 100 times better as an anti-inflammatory than turmeric. Oh, is it? Uh-huh. Okay. Not only that, okay. it tastes a lot better, and yeah. it's very active in preventing colds and flus. Mm-hmm. Very now, good. The primary thing that linden is used for worldwide um, you don't particularly need, which is that it improves your mood. Oh, excellent. Does that as well. Good. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's another one of those, wow, you know, how mm-hmm. how wonderful that, that a spectacular anti-inflammatory uh, makes me want to smile in addition. Yes. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Good. Right. Oat straw Oat is straw. one of nourishing herbal infusions, not green milky tops, but the straw, the oat straw. Mm-hmm. And we know mm-hmm. about people who are feeling their oats, don't we? We do indeed. Mm-hmm. So drinking oat straw will cause you to feel your oats. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. A red clover. The roots of a single red clover plant is laid a end to end would encircle the globe. And in the same way red clover sends its network throughout your entire nervous system, reestablishing a good flow of energy. Mm-hmm. So those are the five nourishing herbal infusions. You'll probably want to buy one pound of each one of those because, remember, you're going to use one ounce at a time for one day. So you'll be using two pounds altogether Mm -hmm. of herbs over the course of one month. I'm sorry, could you repeat that last that last sentence? You'll want to buy a pound of singing nettle, a pound of oat straw, not an ounce, a pound. Uh You're going to use an ounce at a time. Right. Each night you're going to make a quart of infusion with one ounce of herb. Over the course mm. of 30 days, that's 30 ounces of herb, and 32 ounces is 2 pounds. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. All right. I've got that. Good. Good. Yeah. So don't buy just a little. Buy you know, buy a pound of each one no. of the herbs. Yeah. No, and, mm-hmm. and at Mountain Rose, you can buy half pounds. And Now, this is a little more complicated, but not very much more complicated. And it's only a little more complicated because I'm going to ask if there's a friend who could bring you something. 
Uh, yes. Uh-huh. A friend can bring me something. Okay. So you will order Shisandra berries. Shisandra. Okay. Right. S-C-H-I-S-A-N-D-R-A. Shisandra. Okay. Shisandra. Shisandra is an an adaptogen. It builds Mm -hmm. endurance. It builds um, mental focus. It builds breathing capacity. It builds muscular recovery. It builds Mm -hmm. the nervous system. Shisandra, in fact, which is also known as the five-flavor berry, is the only known herb which nourishes and feeds all three kinds of energy. You know about chi. You've heard about chi. You've heard about tai chi and chi corn. So you know about chi. It's Mm -hmm. life force energy. I do. Mm -hmm. And Shisandra builds chi. Excellent. And not only that, it helps you get more chi from the air you breathe and the food you eat. But there's another kind of energy called jing. And jing mm-hmm. is ancestral energy. And you are pretty good on chi, but your jing has been severely impacted by your treatment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the tired that you feel. It's not just like, a, oh, I worked hard and I need to go to sleep. It's like this kind of bone deep tired yes that's right that's precisely yeah. what it feels like and, right and um, and that and that's jing and shisandra helps to nourish jing and there's a third kind of energy sometimes called ki um which is the energy of the soul Mhm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. shisandra as I said, nourishes all three. So you can buy the berries. You can get your friend to buy for you mm-hmm. a bottle of 100-proof vodka. Okay. And you're going to fill any size jar, half full of dried Chisandra berries, and then all the way full of the vodka. Okay, dry Chisandra berries. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, the vodka. vodka. Uh huh. And you're going to fill vodka a jar one half f- full, right? One half okay. full with the dried berries. Yeah. And then okay. add vodka to the very top. Mm-hmm. And as as the dried berries um, absorb the vodka, you'll need to shake it so that they all get evenly wet. I see. Okay. I had a, a well, friend. A I had a friend who was diagnosed with emphysema, and I had him buy some elecampane, a different herb, and mm-hmm. he um, is a recovered alcoholic. So he had a friend who went and bought the vodka for him, and he just got in touch with me and said that he's shaking his elecampane every day, and it's like a prayer. I'm not actually praying in any way. He says, except that I'm shaking this herb, and I'm and I'm knowing that after six to eight weeks, it's gonna it's gonna be a remedy for me. And I started the show by talking about how the remedies that I'm taking are twice twice as wonderful because they 
carry all of that intention and that love. And when you do this and make this for yourself, you get that same thing. You get this, the intention that you put into it. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's okay. very it's very simple to do. You buy the berries, you fill a jar half full, somebody buys the vodka for you, you pour the vodka in the jar, you stick a label on it so you know what you made, Shisandra and vodka and the date, mm-hmm. and then six to eight weeks later, you can start taking it. And you take okay. it by the dropper full. By the dropper full. By the okay. dropper full. And as I mm-hmm. said, it's an adaptogen, and you have six weeks to learn more about it. But yeah. you can start drinking the nourishing herbal infusions as soon as you get the herbs. I also want you to know that in my newest book, Abundantly Well, mm-hmm. I have a um, section uh, about dealing with radiation damage. Uh-huh. And in general, um, it's very important to use herbs during the radiation treatment. But mm, there are a yeah. few things that can be done afterward. Yeah. Hypericum, hypericum oil, which is the oil, also called St. John's Wort oil, on the area heals burns remarkably well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Soy milk. Really? Soy milk what? activates the genes involved in DNA repair. The U.S. military relies on soy supplements, which they have stockpiled to protect personnel in the case of nuclear disaster. Uh-huh. Okay. Not for food, but to protect them against the damage from the radiation. Mm-hmm. I see. So, you know, uh, when I was doing my radiation, I drank soy soy beverages like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm doing this. I'm going to drink it. Me too, when you said soy. Right. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Right. But And I didn't have much. You know, a glass of milk, that's like six ounces. That was was it. And I got the stuff that wasn't sweetened. Mm -hmm. I just got, you know, like the, you know, the the tough soy milk, right? A dropper full of panic ginseng increases energy. Extensive studies show that it helps protect human cells from DNA damage from radiation. And that DNA damage continues on even after the radiation is not being done. So ginseng at any time. I just recently stopped taking ginseng on a daily basis. Oh, really? I took, it, uh-huh. I took it once or twice a day throughout my radiation treatment, and then twice a day for almost two years following it. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, you've, you've given me, you know, several... Uh, I give it. I guess I'm giving you some things to do, huh? <laughs> and there's just one more thing. One more thing I want to say, and that is kelp. Kelp, wakame, kombu, any kind of nori, not so much, but kelp, seaweed. Okay, seaweed. Yeah. Is, is like really, really big helper for you right now. 
Yeah. And I will also tell you that for myself, my, I call it my ace in the hole, is matcha. Matcha. Just powdered green tea. Oh, powdered green tea, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Powdered yes, green tea. And I'll yeah, take yeah. these yeah, right studies on, you know, for anybody who's had a cancer diagnosis, anyone who's had cancer treatment, you know, I think cozy up to matcha. Um, mm-hmm. I was very much, I did a lot of mushrooms um, during the time between um my diagnosis and my surgery, mm-hmm. which was actually quite a okay. while, because like you, I had I had several different kinds of cancer simultaneously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I was done, the you know I tried to do some of the things I'd been done before, and I could feel my body and my psyche rejecting them. So um, if you want to try. <laughs> Mushrooms at this point, there's certainly nothing against it. Any, uh-huh. And it's any kind of mushroom. Even like just uh, okay. eat a few more mushrooms in your diet. As long as they're cooked, they're good. Good. Okay. Very good. Right. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for um, for your advice. And um, And I also think that in my case, movement is important for me. Important to keep the, my body moving. I believe that that is true of everybody. It's what they yeah. told me um, when I started my radiation treatment. They said the people who get through this the best are the people who keep moving. And during my mm-hmm. treatment, um, I just want you know to lay on the floor and cry, but I walked at least five miles every day. Oh, bravo! That's excellent. Because. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, you know, it's, you know, move, just yes. matter, you know, <laughs> and yes. since I was in New York City, well, it was pretty easy to do that, you just, you know, walk down this way, turn a corner, walk yes. down that way, and you can't get lost, exactly. <laughs> yes. and, I, and I found so many great massage parlors, I had so many foot massages, and so many <laughs> wonderful experiences walking around the city. <laughs> good, 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 you, good. Yeah, you are, you are such a... Such a solid soul. Thank you for calling tonight. Oh, thank you for sharing. Oh, us. you're very welcome, and thank you, thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate your time. Good blessings. Good night. <laughs> okay, to you too. Bye bye. All right, and it looks like at this time we do not have anyone else who has raised their hand, so I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question for Susan this evening, please do press 1 on your keypad to let us know that you'd like to come on and ask a question. Um, We have a couple email questions if you would like to um, hear one of those. Okay, yes, let's. Uh-huh. All right. Um, okay, here's the first one. I am I am a woman in menopause, and it has been about nine months since I bled. I would like to have a crony ceremony once I get to 12 months without bleeding. I do not know any women nearby that are familiar with crone ceremonies, or that I think may, and oh, and I think I may need to do it alone. Do you have any suggestions for how? to create a solo crone ceremony. 
Thank you and green blessings. Well, there is a ritual in new menopausal years, the wise woman way, and that can be adapted to be done with yourself. So that's one place to start. And another place to start is, what do you want from this? Most of the time, when we do a ceremony, we do it because we want to be seen. We want a change of state, a change of status, a change of life course to be acknowledged by our community because it's easier to be that way if it's acknowledged. I see this really strongly when we do the Green Witch initiations, that I ask women to make a commitment, and then I face them toward the group, and I have them make their commitment, looking at the group, and I have the group say, I hear your commitment, and, and repeat the commitment. And in talking to women afterwards, sometimes years afterwards, they talk about the poignancy and the amazing feeling that you get during that moment when everyone is listening to you and everyone is listening to what you're promising to do. And how much power, energy, love, care that gives you. So maybe you could have a Zoom community there. During the first COVID year, we had Zoom birthday parties. There weren't any Zoom birthday parties this past year. I'm not so sure why there weren't any Zoom birthday parties. So maybe there were, and I just wasn't invited to them. I'm not sure. But you can have a, a ceremony on Zoom. That, that's possible. I've seen, I'm seeing other people doing it. Mama Donna Hens is having ceremonies on, on, uh, online. So just because people can't come over or aren't people that are nearby you, it doesn't mean there aren't people that couldn't witness what's going on. So, yes, you can do it solo, but the point of it is for it to be witnessed. The point of it is for people in your life to see you're no longer a maiden. You're no longer a mother. Now, you're crowned. So I was saying that the you know the tinctures that I take, uh, many of them are made by past apprentices or current students, and even the infusion that I'm drinking today, which is red clover mint. Um, the red clover was harvested by a past apprentice and weighed out already in one ounce bags and sent to me. Such a beautiful gift, and oh, I do cute. like a little. 
hint of mint in my red clover because red clover is a lot like black tea, which I don't much have a fancy for. And so I said, I wonder. And this was before it had snowed, right? Uh, so I went outside. It was a couple of days ago. I went outside to the field where the wild mint grows. And sure enough, <laughs> there was still wild mint growing out there. Oh, that's so fabulous. Oh, my goodness. So, so I got some fresh wild mint to put in with my red clover on January 9th, 10th, sometimes. Oh, no, it's already the 17th. So it's probably more like the 14th or even the 15th. It was just a couple of days ago. So, such a delight. I had considered going out there barefoot because it's really wet out there. But I said, no, nah, come on. It's in the 20s. You really don't want to get your feet wet. Come on. Don't do that. Where are your boots, girl? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do we have anybody who's pushed one to talk or another email question? Um, So we do. We have two people who have queued up with questions. So we have someone calling in from the 313 area code. From 313, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Good evening. It's Zara. Hey, Zara! Hi! <laughs> it was probably the red clover that you sent me that I'm drinking. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Delicious. Uh, All right. Well, I'm calling back in with an update on the dog bite. Good. Tell us. <laughs> so... As far as I can see, it hasn't really gotten infected yet. And most of it's healed up pretty good, um, except for the deeper portion. So all of the punctures seem to be good. So I would say it's a big win for Comfrey since I immediately put it on there. And... Um, I've been finding, I've also been working with Solomon seal. Yes, what a fascinating plant. Yeah, so I'm not sure if you remember, but I was, like, given buckets and buckets of Solomon seal this spring um, in order to distribute it to, to other herbalists. So there wasn't very many people that came and picked it up by the time it needed planted so I said okay I got to make medicine with this and I made a lots of oil but then after I strained the oil then I took the the roots and put it through my food processor and then I made it into like these little coin shapes like almost like lozenges and put them in the freezer So I've been using those, and they're extremely healing. They're also cold, so that feels good. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's still kind of. I I envision them like the size of a dime. Um, maybe the size of a quarter. Okay. Or a loony, because I'm Canadian. Okay, a loony. <laughs> and the, mm. it's really, it's 
it's been helping a lot, and I really wanted to share that uh, with people because it's a way to, like, use the herb, like, twice as much, like, to extend the use of the herb because it was soaked in the oil, and then once the oil was ready, then I processed it, and then it's like these Band-Aid poultices that are ready to go in my freezer. What a fabulous thing to do. <laughs> and, and I'm really, I'm very so grateful that I made a lot of echinacea tincture this fall. I made about half a gallon. <laughs> and You can't so have too much echinacea tincture on hand, right? <laughs> Well, I never had enough before. Now, finally, <laughs> enough. <laughs> and it is very active. So I made it with the with the fresh papura roots. Uh-huh. And it is extremely tingly. Woohoo! All right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Dynamite <laughs> tried it my daughter on her tongue. I gave her uh-huh. a drop on her tongue and she was like, Oh, oh. Uh-huh. Like what have you done to me, Mom? Like, oh, it's still go- it's still working. <laughs> it's still working. <laughs> so uh-huh. I know that that medicine has been keeping me from has been keeping the infection at bay. Yes, it has. Mm-hmm. And hooray for Echinacea. Yes. Pura is very easy to grow. Everyone should grow it. It is so easy to grow, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You just kind of fling some seeds down. I love that it's in so many public places, mm-hmm. libraries churches, and it seems like, you know, everybody's growing at Genesia. Well, because it it comes back every year with not much effort or anything, and it's just so beautiful. And the butterflies love it. Yes. <laughs> so I've been, uh, spending, I've been spending a lot of time resting, which I don't really like to do, but that's probably the most challenging thing. And also asking people for help because I can't do a lot of tasks that I normally can do. Good for you. Good for you that you're asking for help. I applaud you. Mm -hmm. I know it's not easy for any of us. Yes. But it does. I think it really feels good to people when they can help you. Yes, it does, doesn't it? So it goes both ways. Even if it's hard for you to ask, they enjoy (laughs) it so much giving you the help. Mm -hmm. So that's my update. 
Well, thank you. I love you. I'm so glad you called. I love you too. It was hard to get into the to the phone queue tonight. There was a lot of people on the line, but not many questions. Oh, but not many questions, huh? Very interesting. Okay. Well, I think there's one more person in the queue before we have our interview, okay. so let's see what they have to say. Okay. Love you so much, Susan. Love you. Mwah. Mwah. Good night. Okay, yes, we do have one other caller that has raised their hand. Um, And it looks like you're calling from the 818 area code from the 818. You are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Um, I uh, have a couple of questions. Um, By the way, I, yeah, I was calling and uh, um, it kept saying it was, your um, session was full, so couldn't connect with the phone, and I kept trying, so got through finally. Um, so my question, yeah, thank you. Uh, so I um, been taking yellow dock root that um, I made for myself, and um, it's the only thing that has helped me with my that I was. Um, having a hard time with for almost three years with fissure and hemorrhoid issues. And um, I tried everything else, but this seemed to help with the bowel movement, and um, it, it, and it healed. So I, and I kept oh, hurrah. Yeah. And I yeah. and taking it, but um, now I'm having kidney pain, and I, I had read somewhere that it can cause kidney stone, and I I know I have two small kidney stone in my left kidney, about size of like three millimeter, not that big. But in the last two weeks, um, I've been having achiness, constant achiness, and I thought it was infection, but uh, you know the urine test it came back negative. So I wanted to get your thoughts and your experience on whether it really does um, aggravate kidney stones or cause kidney stones. Yellow dock is in the polygonaceae family. And the greens of plants in that family are high in oxalates. I don't think you're using the greens. I think you're using the root. Right. I made the the root, yeah, tincture. So right away we come to the first four questions that distinguish herbal medicine from folklore. What part? Unfortunately, a lot of what passes for information out there about herbs is folklore. If it doesn't tell you what part, when it's harvested, how it's prepared, and what dose it's taken, it's folklore. So it's folklore that says that yellow dock causes kidney stones, right? Yeah. In other words, if for it to be herbal medicine, it would have to say yellow dock root tincture taken in doses exceeding da 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 you know, in terms of the quantity, right, can aggravate kidney stones. That would be herbal medicine. But that's not what I'm hearing you say. And so yellow dock is too 
Zank. Rumex crispus is one yellow duck. Rumex apesifolia is another yellow duck. Rumex aquaticus, Rumex patiensa, and Rumex mexicana, all five of those species of Rumex are sold as yellow duck. And which one did you harvest? Did you harvest probably the commonest one around most people is the pesifolia, the one with the larger leaves. I bought it. I ordered online. I... You made it from the dried plant. Let's mm-hmm. see, now that's different too, right? There's different constituents in a dried plant than there are in the fresh plant. So again, this folklore that's concerning you doesn't talk about those things. But herbal medicine has to. How much are you taking? Uh, three, two to three dropperfuls, about two, three times a day. That's a fairly large dose. You could probably get the same effect with two or three dropperfuls once a day or a dropperful three times a day. Okay. If you're concerned, and if you want to cut back while still getting the same good effect and see if that has any effect on the pain that you're feeling. Now, it's a very fascinating thing about the kidneys and the liver, which are very important organs. Um, They're not supplied with any nerve endings. You ever heard somebody say, oh, you know, the doctor said one of my kidneys was dead? And you think, how could that happen? You can't feel your kidneys and you can't feel your liver. If they get swollen or if a stone gets caught in the duct coming out of the gallbladder or coming out of the kidney, the ducts have nerve endings and you can feel that. Hmm. Not only that, the kidneys are much higher up on the back than most people suspect. Kidneys being, as I said, very important organs, are not by your waist, where most people think their kidneys are, but more up closer um, to to the lower part of your scapula so that they can be protected by the ribs. So I'm not saying that the pain or the achiness that you're experiencing isn't kidney stones, but the people that I've talked to who've had kidney stone pain tell me that it's hideous, that it's not something that you like can talk about, that you're like screaming with pain. Yeah, I I've had them before myself. I um, yeah, definitely not passing the stone. It doesn't feel like that, but it's um, I can tell it's my kidney. It's just maybe sitting, like you said, in a spot where it's um, touching the nerves, but not really moving. But not really. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more seaweed in the diet can help that because the seaweed has um, that slipperiness. It helps things move through small channels in the body. 
Okay. And and um, would burdock um, have the same benefits um, that I can give it a try? It certainly wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Definitely do that. And and um, I, I one more question, if you have time. Absolutely. Um, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, they um, actually when they were going to get rid of my kidney stones, they incidentally found a tumor in my bladder cancer, and they removed it. And um, But I was having this irritation, burning sensation in, um, I don't know the exact name, but it's just that the tip of um, the ureter or whatever, the, like the opening right before, um, and this was before... I knew I had cancer and they before, before they removed it. And after it was removed, it continued. So it wasn't related to the cancer. And I still have it. So I wanted to see what I can take for more of a chronic bladder health. There's a few herbs that I've read about in Christopher Hobbs' uh, website, but uh-huh. What what it what interests you? What herbs have you read about that seem interesting to you? Um have to look it up again, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, but I've, yeah, I mean I've taken Uva R C and Quantic for my bladder infection that I get um uh-huh. from time to time. But for chronic um health I think that he, he talked about something else. Um sorry, I have to look it up but um. There are a lot of herbs that are used to tonify the bladder. Astringent mm-hmm. tonics are often used. Even something as simple as green tea is considered a bladder tonic. Uh, uh, yeah, he's recommending goldenrod, kava kava, arbor, the vitae, is it? Arbor vitae, uh-huh. Yeah, I've never taken any. I mean, yeah, I've ne- I never yeah, taken any. You know, I'll have. tell you what I what I really like is corn silk. Corn silk, okay. Corn silk, and I'm not even. You know, I get so much of it myself because we love corn in the cob during the summer, and we just take off the silks and dry them. And then I take like six silks, you know, from six years of corn, and I like make a ball of them and put them in a bag, so I have balls in the bag, and I use one ball with six silks from six years of corn in a quart jar, because you could never get an ounce of corn silk into a, a quart jar. It's just too light. But I just use that amount. Um, maybe if you got it, you know, corn silk cut and sift, maybe you could get an ounce in a jar. I don't know, because I never even look to see if it's available as an herb, as I said, because it's one that, I, that we just always have plenty of. Um, but it is a, just a wonderful, soothing, healing, tonifying herb for the bladder. And um, I can take that every day? Absolutely. Okay. Very safe. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for your call. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. Good night.
All right. And it looks like um, our guest, Amy, is um, in the queue. If you um, would like to go there, or we do have another email question. We have about six minutes. Oh, well, let's hold on to that email question just in case we have a problem with people getting through another week. And go ahead and introduce Amy. I'm sure a few extra minutes with her will be just fine. Amy Fournier has been in holistic health and wellness for over 30 years. She herself overcame several physical and mental emotional health challenges, as well as a life of people-pleasing, which resulted in much pain, conflict, and ultimately a total burnout, a midlife crisis. Amy discovered how to live a life that tapped into her heart and her soul and her own choosing, fully integrated, healthy, and whole. And now she is passionate about helping others do the same. She loves helping women harmonize their energy, step into their natural goddess nature, and regain their female power with sovereignty and warrior spirit. You can connect with Amy on her popular podcast, Awakening Aphrodite, and lots of other things that she is going to be sharing with us tonight. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're able to be with us tonight. Can you start by just giving us kind of a brief rundown on how you got from A to B? You were trained to be a people pleaser, and then life kind of smacked you up around the head. Yeah, well... um... You know, I grew up in a family that we, my my dad was kind of like the health nut of like the 60s and 70s. We had like the carrot juice and the Cheerios, you know, all the other kids had the Frosted Flakes. So we were kind of always the weird ones and I was always uh, athletic and active. But then I had a lot of uh, health problems. I had problems with my weight, even though I was very athletic and we tried to be healthy. And I had thyroid problems, and because of my sports, I had some concussions. And at one point, they thought I might have had a brain tumor. So I went through a lot of hell with my physical fitness. And then I went through some emotional and spiritual problems, too, with um, some things that happened to me personally. And uh, so I was kind of a mess through my young adulthood. And Conventional medicine basically just couldn't help me. Uh, at one point, they even wanted to put a pacemaker in me, and um, I was on all kinds of medications. And it just wasn't working. You know, it just wasn't working. And um, so I just kind of looked into, well, who does have a life that works? <laughs> you know, success leaves clues, as they say, you know. And let's study people who are getting it right and maybe try to emulate what they're doing. So went back into the natural path, and then I kind of made it my career. I started teaching aerobics back in the 80s with the Jane Fonda days. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> and, I do, uh, I do. That, do you? Okay, you remember all that with the leg warmers and the song leotards and everything crazy? 
but yep, yep. So I did that whole route, and it it changed my life. I mean, I I lost weight, I got healthy. I mean, just my whole life changed. So I really lived the power, the transformation, and talk about empowerment of wow, I can really control not only how I look, but more importantly, how I feel and how I think. I mean, I, I felt like I was getting smarter. I could remember things better. I could focus better. I was more clear. And uh, it, so it just opened up a whole new world. And I'm like, all right, I've got to help other people do this because it's not conventional wisdom to think that we really do have more agency over ourselves emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually than we're taught because we're not taught this stuff in school. So I really just kind of pivoted my life and then went down that road and tried to make a profession out of it. Um, But as far as the people pleasing, I also was straddling the struggle of, meanwhile, growing up in New England and kind of in a Puritan work ethic. My family was very loving, but a whole bunch of workaholics, as I am too, or I like to say I'm trying to recover from being a workaholic, and I am a recovered people pleaser, so I'm happy to say I'm on the other side of that. But because of that, I really grew up, you know, putting out other people's needs first, caring what they think, and wanting to always do the right thing, and the martyrdom and the self-sacrifice. I know a lot of people can relate to that because, you know, it's kind of honorable to give and not take, you know, it's more blessed to give than receive, as it said. And, um, but I had to kind of recalibrate that because it led to a massive burnout. And as you mentioned, a midlife crisis that I just couldn't do it anymore, Susan. I just couldn't keep it going. I was just spent, miserable and giving to everyone else, um, But, you know, and I think a lot of people that are in the health and the wellness profession, like you, I mean, we want to help, right? But we have to learn boundaries. And I had to learn, you know, there's something in Buddhist medicine about compassion for others, but you've got to include yourself. Compassion has to include you as well as other people. So I really had to learn, and I had, I guess I have a thick head because I had to get to the point where I was completely at the end of my rope to finally throw up my hands and surrender and say, all right, I give up. This way is not working. And that's where I came to really understand, all right, this is about self-care, loving myself, giving my to myself as I'm giving to other people. And that's when I started overcoming the people-pleasing because I developed a relationship with myself and my soul and, and really who I am and how to love myself better. And don't you know, even with all the years of being healthy and dialing in my diet and my exercise and my sleep and all that stuff, that I, I'm happy to say I've never been healthier because I'm more integrated, I'm more whole, I'm more peaceful, I'm more content, I'm more confident, and I think I even look younger, frankly. <laughs> <laughs>
vigorous, with good color, right? But if what we mean by young is vapid and senseless, then maybe we don't really want it. I mean, how old are you now? You don't have to say. I am going to be 54 in February. How much would I have to pay you to make you live any one of the years from your 20s again? You know, I don't think I would because I'm much happier now. That's right. You wouldn't. Nobody yeah. would. Yep. We don't yep. really want yep. young. Yep, and that and that's kind it's of awful. the point. That, yep, it's just so much better so now. So why but tell you me that you that you look younger? It's not appealing to me. Like somebody right, walked no. in, she said, "Every day I'm getting younger and younger." I said, "Please stop before you're back in diapers." <laughs> I want to get older and older. Yeah. Is that the point? I Isn't it totally the point? Agree. Get older. I want to be older. Yeah. I want to be scintillatingly yeah. old, fascinatingly old, thrillingly old, stunningly old. I read a little article to my granddaughter last night from Health Magazine, and it was a sidebar, and it said, these women will kick your butt, and it was about, oh, I don't see it, it was about four women, and I don't have it memorized, about four women, all in their 80s and 90s, who are winning all of these records triathlons, tennis, all of this stuff. It was pretty interesting. So that's that's my goal, not to look younger, not to be younger, but to be older. Well, let me, let me add to that. The way I think of, of getting older to me is in, in, in regards to, to feeling younger and looking younger is having the vigor and the vitality and the joy and the zest for life and the curiosity for life that younger people in our culture have. And unfortunately, it's And what I'm saying common. is old people have it too, and you're doing everybody a misservice by associating that with youth. Oh. Vigor, not well, restricted to the young. I, curiosity and, 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 and interest is not restricted to the young. I most certainly agree, and that's to my point, because I feel like as I'm, and there's a difference between aging and getting older, too, you know, just because a lot of people in our culture associate getting older with becoming decrepit and frail and and forgetful and all of these things, it doesn't mean it's destiny. You know, we have a lot of control over these things happening to us or not because there's plenty of people. You know, we have more sanitarians now than ever before. There's plenty of people showing that that is not the way it has to be, that getting older can be wonderful, that can, you can retain your facilities, you can stay independent, you can still live alone, you can enjoy life, and it's not... It's not the way it has to be, the way that a lot of people in our culture think aging is. So I'm not against aging. I just want to make that very clear. And as I said, I feel like I'm getting getting better as I get older. I mean, I I am so grateful that I'm getting older. I, I say that all the time. I feel like I'm so grateful I have a second chance to now choose my life and right and do it in a yeah. I mean, it's it's only getting better, Susan, for me. Great. And when you say 
that you found your soul. That's that's so evocative. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, you know, um, it's another thing I hear a lot. A lot of people will say, like women will say, you know, I have this fear of abandonment in, in relationships. And what I found is I feel like a lot of people abandon themselves. You know, that we don't have a relationship with our spirit, our soul, our very essence of who we are. That's just not something that's cultivated in our culture. And it's something that I had to work with. I found a mentor a few years ago who happens to be a shaman who helped me get in touch with that part of myself. And for the last two years, I've cultivated that relationship every single day. I do an embodiment practice. And I've been studying Native American medicine as well and how they connect with the elements of nature and the four directions and the, the wind and the earth and the air and the fire and how every single blade of grass is something that's sacred to them. We're all part of the macrocosm of the world and it's all sacred and all beautiful and we are a part of that. And so we, we are sacred beings and I find that when we can bring that sacred mindset back to ourselves, a lot of the self-love will start to come online. And our life gets just much more meaningful, much more special, you know, rather than so, oh, I got to do the laundry, oh, I got to get dressed, I got to go work, I got to sit in traffic. You know, we got to find ways to bring the sacred and the joy to the mundane things that we all have to do. We're all looking for these, you know, wonderful, amazing, exciting events, you know, but wouldn't it be amazing if we could bring that same feeling of real deep gratitude and reverence for what's right in front of us right now? And that's kind of what I learned to do with developing a relationship with my soul is like, who really am I? Who has my back? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you're you come into this world, you're born right alone and you're going to die alone. And that's, you really have yourself and so much of our wounding that happens to us in our lives is, you know, we might be looking at other people or even blaming other people, God forbid for things that happen. Right. But what we have to do is learn how to be our own best friend, cultivate ourselves and treat ourselves with that same care and compassion and not abandon ourselves so that's something I had to do and that's a big part back to what we were saying earlier why I feel like my life is better than ever because I've developed a self-love and respect that I never had before and it's changed everything what are some ways that you take care of yourself now well the first thing is I have that ritual practice every day of doing my prayers and my connection and it's uh, an embodiment. I just kind of tap into my body and just close my eyes and feel like how I'm feeling. I mean, we can even ask that of the audience. Like if everyone thinks, are you sitting in a chair right now? Are you driving in a car? Are you standing? If you just become aware of your body, we live in our heads. Most of us are living from the neck up, you know, and we're just disconnected from our body. And we don't even realize if we drop into the body, how comfortable are you right now? You know, is maybe your hips sore, maybe your neck hurts. 
You know, have you ever get a massage and you don't even realize how tight you are because it becomes the new normal and you're like, wow, I didn't even realize how tight I was. You know, we're just disconnected from our bodies. So one of the things that I do every day is I just take five minutes in the morning and I do it first thing in the morning, like brushing your teeth, because otherwise I would just probably say I'm too busy and tell myself I'm too busy and get distracted. And I just connect, close my eyes, I breathe, I say my prayers, I always say my gratitudes, I'm grateful for my health and my safety and all the abundance of wonderful food and people who care about me and just anything off the top of my head. And then I feel what's happening in my body, maybe my hips a little tight and I'll breathe into it, I'll do some pre-movement. And that's a big part of the grounding ritual for my day. And then no matter what happens the rest of the day, I had my little me time and time with my, my soul and my spirit and my body. And I made that connection with myself. And that's a big part of my self-care. That's, that's been a game changer for me right there. That is so important. And it ties into what you were talking about previously about living a life with meaning. When you get up and the first thing you do in the morning is that you're committed to your practice of gratitude, you have now built in meaning into your day. You got it. And it's like I set my mind for the good. You know, like the reticular activating system is a big fancy term for, you know, we basically get what we look for. You know, it's like that expression. If, if, you, if you say, you know, maybe let's say you want to buy a red car, and then the next thing you know, all week long as you're driving around, you're going to see red cars everywhere because you've kind of set your brain to, 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 to seek something. And it's like when you, when you start focusing, uh, and another term I heard, I think it was Abraham Hicks who termed, uh, coined the term uh, rampage of appreciation. Start just looking for things in your life that are good that make you happy, like, wow, that flower smells beautiful, like, oh, wow, I really like that person's jacket, or, oh, my God, that cup of tea was deliciously warm and wonderful, or, wow, what, the sun is so beautiful today, or just noticing, bringing into your consciousness all the good in your world, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but you're, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to acknowledge the good, which is telling the universe Thank you, bring me more of that. Thank you, bring me more of that. And that's something I've learned in Native American medicine is that they say that, you know, life is going to answer you and give you more of that. Nature wants to be appreciated. That's why a lot of things are beautiful because, oh, when was the last time you even appreciated a tree? Like, thank you for cleaning the air and being so beautiful and providing me shade and being a home to birds and you know, it's a, it's a relationship. It's a reciprocal relationship. And we take a lot of these things for granted that are just so, so important. We want to be here without trees and bees and, and soil and plants and everything as you teach. You know, so it's just something, just to take that moment of gratitude is so powerful. And watch how it changes how you feel. It softens your heart, lowers your blood pressure. It's just, it's just good for you. It's good medicine, and it's so simple, and it's free. <laughs> it certainly is. Amy, I uh, met Grandmother Twyla Nitch at um, Omega a long, long time ago, and uh, we became friends, and she adopted me into the uh, Wolf Clan of the Seneca Nation. 
I'm sure that you're aware that on Turtle Island alone, North America alone, there were over 800 different Native American cultures, and I mean different, Mm -hmm. really different from each other. So I must admit that I have a hard time when you say Native American anything. Because there isn't any Native American anything. There are 800 different Native American anythings. Do you have a lineage? Do you have a particular teacher? Is there a particular clan or group of Native people that you work with? Yes. I've studied, actually, I just interviewed on my show the woman who was the apprentice for 12 years. I'm sure you've heard, heard of Bearheart. He was the, of the Mesquite Indian clan. And he was, he was a really prominent shaman and um, medicine man. Of course, they don't refer to themselves as that, but in the conventional uh, um, language, that's how most people know them. But he was, um, he's someone that I've studied extensively because his work has really changed my life. I mean, he's passed away. I think he died in 2009. But I just had, uh, his, like I said, his apprentice on my show, Molly Larkin, and Gosh, their their work is so beautiful. I'm sure you would love it. It's just uh, it's just it's just so wonderful, and it's giving me such a beautiful perspective of gratitude and appreciation and understanding the holistic nature of of the planet of all of us. Absolutely, yes. Animism mm-hmm. is a is a lovely way to be to see life in everything around us, and to know that we are part of that life. It gets a little confused because we've been brought up uh, with such, uh, you know, religious ideas that instead of just dropping into the oneness of animism, um, a lot of us think that it has to do with worshiping nature. Nature, which it's not, um, nothing is worshipped at all. We are simply part of the um, amazing whole, just as you're saying. So mm-hmm. the mesquite, um, the mesquite people are from um, originally what part of Turtle Island? Well, they they actually originally lived along the waterways of what's now Georgia and Alabama. So, mm-hmm. but as you know, with the back in eighteen, but I know they were. That's why I asked it that way because they were all so horribly dislocated. Oh, unbelievable. Um, uh, it's just, and I was actually thinking today that originally it was proposed that half of Oklahoma be given to Native people. Too bad oh, that really? didn't happen. Yeah. yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I was looking wow. at the maps of it and everything. It was quite amazing. So, um, so you have primarily um, learned this from somebody from a Mesquite lineage and are um, also actively involved with um, this person's um, apprentice to carry on these um, wonderful um, teachings of deep connection with nature. Um, Actually, in fact, when I'm working with white people, and they've often heard, oh, you know, that Native people, you know, um, are thankful for what they get, and so they give offerings. And I don't let white people do that, because white people have been brought up in a culture where everything has to be paid for. Hmm. And as soon as white person gives a gift, then they've paid for it, and they own it. And so I oh, make wow. them do the harder thing, which is to accept hmm. without having anything worthwhile to give. Because for a uh-huh. white person, <laughs> that is a big that's a that's very big challenge hard. to be able to just yep, say, yep. nature is giving to me, 
and I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing I can give back that would be adequate. I mean, I that's not it. true. That's you can breathe, mm-hmm. but that, but I'd like to cultivate that humbleness in people who've lived unquestioningly all of their life in privilege. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, honestly, I've, I've only been studying intensely Native American culture the last few years, but my training... I'm going to ask you not to call it Native American culture, because you can't study Native American culture. I'm a member of the Wolf Clan of the Seneca Nation, which is part of the Great Peaceful Nations, and they are so totally different than what you're studying. And these are both Native groups mm. on the same landmass. There were over 800 different... Indigenous cultures here, which are very, very different in their beliefs and their cultures. How so? You are studying mesquite culture, not Native American. Well, I've studied other cultures too, but when you're saying they're all so vastly different, how so? Well, the culture that I'm part of, that I was adopted into, is a culture that's matrilineal and matrifocal. Yeah, well, many of these were as well. I think that was quite common, wasn't it? That, that, they would follow that was the... not common. Which, which cultures have you studied that were matrilineal and matrifocal? Well, let's see. Um, I don't know if any particular ones are coming to mind, but I do know that it was common in general. It wasn't common. It was not common. It was extremely uncommon. Oh, okay. That's not my understanding, but all right. Yeah, as a matter of fact, especially throughout the plains, women were very subjugated. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, among the Lakota and the Dakota, People of the plains, the buffalo people, it was extremely common to gamble away your wife, to sell your girl children into sexual slavery from the age of six on. Hmm. Wow. That's certainly not matrilineal or matrifocal now, is it? No, certainly not. Well, not the one that So I these are cultures in. here, these are Native American cultures. You can't just say you're mm-hmm. studying Native American culture. It's like saying I'm mm-hmm. studying Christianity. Yes, I see. Yeah, too, too general. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just too general. It doesn't. It doesn't. And worse yet, it's a statement of white privilege. It does not acknowledge the differences in these different cultures, because we've been taught to denigrate them and to think of them as just one big lump. Wow, that's. That's how we've been taught as white people to think, oh, it's just all Native Americans, and it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's important to them, at least in my understanding, well, that I'm, I'm that actually the individual cultures, they, they actually acknowledge how... that if we are in a situation in which we have been accepted enough to transmit any of this mm-hmm. information, that we do it very clearly from a specific lineage because as a white person, we don't ever represent Native American anything. Well, certainly not. I mean, and I would never purport that I am. Well, that's saying. You're saying I'm studying Native American medicine. Well, and it's also, not, Susan, and this it's is, not okay. This is, how, this is, you know, it's this not is okay for us as white people to do that. 
We can say, I represent a lineage. We can say, I have been adopted into this lineage. We can say, I have been, you know, gifted with this information to share. Because those things are certainly true. But what I'm asking you not to do is to not say that you're studying Native American medicine. Very simply, very clearly. Because it's... Wow. Because it's not... It's not appropriate for you to say that. Okay, so what about when they refer to themselves that way and we discuss that this is Native American teachings and I'm say, basically, they, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using their terminology. As soon as I ask you what their culture was, you knew. So obviously they refer to themselves as Mesquite. No, well, Bearheart said he was from the Mesquite tribe. But when the, I mean, even the right title there, of this they book, would not call themselves a tribe. They're a nation. They're sovereign okay. nations. He, okay, tribe well, again did, is how white people are did, taught to put did. them down. Susan, Susan, if you get his I'm book, he's in there. I'm not saying he hasn't incorporated white supremacy in himself, just as many mm-hmm. women have incorporated, you know, uh, the the people who put them down. But, you know, and that's, and that, you know, it, truthfully, you know, there's a lot of what passes for Native American spirituality, which is Christianity with feathers stuck in it. And I especially find this among men who are not trained in the old ways. Well, I can see you're very emotional about this, um, and uh, you know I'm emotional I, about um, everything. I'm an emotional person. I'm so happy to be alive. <laughs> I'm so emotional because wow, e out motion movement. That's what life is about: is emotion. So anything you talk to me about, I'm going to be emotional about. It's not about this. It's but it is well, but it. I, it it really behooves us as white girls to be very careful when we are talking about what we have been gifted and what we can share and in, in what way that really comes forth. So you talk about how to... Be simple in a busy world, and I don't want to let this show end, but that you're telling us how to be, how to get this done in a busy world because people are just, you know, we hear it all the time that they're just too busy to take care of themselves. Give us your tips. Oh, I'm sorry. You're asking me how to do what in a busy world? You say that you have some simple tips for taking care of yourself in a busy world. Oh, yes. Okay, so a couple things. You want to pay attention to uh, who Polchek, who was the, basically the founder of Holistic Health and Medicine, calls the four doctors, Dr. Diet, Dr. Movement, Dr. Happy, and Dr. Quiet. And basically, if you just take care of each of those elements every day, no matter how busy you are, just a little bit of time on your diet, on getting some kind of movement, and that could be just mobility, stretching, breathing, doing something that makes you happy, that gives you joy, 
that's just for you and that's not for anybody else and it doesn't have to be a big deal and also just some time of quiet and that could even just include getting a good night's sleep or some sort of rest or listening to peaceful music or maybe just a nice walk in nature. But those four things, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Happiness, Dr. Diet, and Dr. Rest, that you're going to find that you have just a better quality of life no matter how busy you are. And it doesn't take a lot of time or effort to do. That's wonderful. I've never heard that before, the four doctors. <laughs> yeah, simple. I mean, simple is the best, isn't it? Oh, it have to simple, be yes. So yeah. amazing. What what a, a delight you bring to things. And the the uh, article that I was reading from Health Magazine about these women don't kick your butt, right? Women in their 80s and 90s who are winning triathlons and swimming meets and all of this. My daughter said, but look, they all started in their late 40s and early 50s. She said they didn't ruin their bodies as young people. They waited to start exercising until they were older. And I thought that that was very interesting. So you, I think, do deal frequently with women who are in their late 40s and early 50s going, but I've never, what do you mean exercise? I've never done that. What do you, what, what, isn't it too late? Yeah, see, and that to me, when I hear that study, that's just so encouraging that they weren't an athlete all their life and that they did start later because it's never too late. All it takes is a commitment, and we know that with the research done on sedentarians, which are people over 100, that it just it's never too late to start. It's just a commitment to something to yourself. So, of course, you want to do it intelligently, but, you know, it's, it's, where there's life, there's hope, Susan. That's what I always say. Oh, that's beautiful. So just start. Yeah, just Just, start. Just start. Oh, here they are. Oh, I'm so glad. I just, because I really want to say their names, and I know you want to know them too. Molly Hayes, who is 87. She has completed 337 Olympic distance triathlons. Wow. A 1.5K swim, a 25-mile bike, and a 10K run, doing the first one at the age of 54. She says you must always have a goal and commit to it. Once you do it, you'll be so proud you're hooked. Commit. Commit. Kathy Bergen, a mere 80, who lives in La Cañada, California, has been competing in high jump and sprints and track and field every year since she started at 54, and she still holds the high jump and outdoor 100 and 200-meter records in the 70 to 74 age group, even though she's aged out of that group. She says, when you're hurt, baby yourself. Give your body time to heal. Don't work through the pain. Mm -hmm. What a womanly way to do it. What I love about these things... that is that these people, these women are showing it's possible. And that's what people have to know is that possibility is more important than knowledge. You have to think it's possible. So when they break these barriers, now this can open up a lot of women and a lot of people to think, wow, maybe I can do this too. It's not too late for me. Pat Windeman, who's 90 and lives in Kansas City, Missouri, competed in the National Women's Tennis Tournament since the age of 65, and won first place in 
doubles five years ago at the age of 85. She says, you must keep a positive attitude. Never say, I can't. You can. <laughs> and Jean Troy, 92, who lives in Sun City, Florida, has been competing in the U.S. Masters swimming since 1975 and is in the International Swimming Hall of Fame, holding 39 swimming national records and three world records. And she says, There'll be those days when you don't feel like moving, but remind yourself how great you're going to feel when you do it and get out there and do it. Right on. Love it. Right on, right? Absolutely. Uh, and that's why, I have, that's why I always have a partner. That's why I have a partner, so that when she says, hey, I want to do it, I say, you're doing it. And when I say, mm-hmm. I think I'll stay home, she says, choose on. Mm-hmm. That's great. You have each other's back. You got each other's back because you know you're going to feel better at the end of it, no matter how you do. Amy, tell people how to get in touch with you and all the things that you're offering. I think you've got a blog and other stuff going on, right? Oh, thank you, Susan. Yes, um, just my name, which is my website, has uh, all the ways you can find me, which is amy, A-M-Y, fournier.com, which is F as in Fox, O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. I also have a free online women's circle where we meet once a month around the time of the new moon. And, of course, my podcast, which is Awakening Aphrodite, is free everywhere you can find podcasts like Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. All right. Fantastic. So we know that everybody is going to want to check out what Amy Fournier has to share with you because half an hour obviously is just not nearly enough time and we have come to the end of our short time what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds and maybe even the souls of everyone who's been listening to you tonight amy i would just say be good to yourself be kind and compassionate not only to the world, but remember to be so with yourself too, because everything starts from within you and then emanates outward. So include yourself in that equation. Be a little more gratitude, uh, feeling a little more gratitude in your day and watch how that just ripples around and comes back reciprocally to you. That is so beautiful. I envision that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and I want to thank you for the beauty of your weaving and all of the glorious threads that you've added Mm -hmm. to this weaving tonight. And Sarah Allen, thank you for helping me to put herbal medicine back where it belongs in people's hands, and thank you so much for helping me organize the Come Free Conference. Okay, everybody, coming, coming soon, the... Come free, conference. We love you, come free. Green blessings, everybody. Good night. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.